Well, hey, everybody, welcome to the House of Bliss podcast, your favorite show you've never heard of and the Internet's best kept secret. Well, hey, I wanted to make you guys aware of a couple of things. The first one is, if you hadn't noticed, it's been a little bit since I've been uh, behind the mic speaking to you guys over the airwaves here. Um, And part of that was uh, I've just been working on other things. I've got a book that I'm writing. I've been taking some solid time on that. Um, As well as I've, I've had family coming in from town. I've had all kinds of stuff going on. But last week specifically, I wanted to do something a little different. I've been getting all kinds of questions recently about the book of Revelation, and uh, it's easy to see why when you look at 2020. I mean, if the quarantine and the virus and the killer bees didn't get you, then certainly it's the fear of the impending election, which I see that both sides are convinced that if the other side wins, it will surely mean a meltdown of society as we know it. And so people are freaked out. Even friends of mine who don't believe in God have been asking me, what does it say? Like, are we in the end of days? Like, is this the end of it all? Um, What's the deal? I think everybody is just kind of in this place of wondering and reconsidering what they believe. I think that's a great thing. And I will say that I believe that the book of Revelation is so deeply and wildly relevant to 2020, but not in the way that you might think. Uh, I have friends on all sides, some who believe that the book of Revelation is already mostly fulfilled, some that believe it's uh, a very detailed account of what's going to happen in the 21st century. I have friends on all sides of the aisles, and frankly, I don't really care that much about figuring out the timeline, because the central message is that Jesus is king, he's defeated hell in the grave, and he wants absolute purity of worship and uh, conquering witness as he makes his bride ready for the fusion, the, the, the final and complete fusion of heaven and earth in him. It's hopeful, it's challenging, it's convicting, it's beautiful. And so I decided the best course of action would be to make a video about it. So I actually made a video, I launched a YouTube channel, Low Key, which uh, I, I don't need to add YouTube to my list of things that I'm doing right now, really, but I did put it up there. It's House of Bliss on YouTube, uh, but it's kind of hard to find. So I'm just going to post a link in the description for you. If you missed me last week, I actually did do something, it was just on YouTube and it will be in the description or show notes of this episode. All right, the second order of business here is uh, I'm so excited to announce that um, I'm going to be doing an event with my good friend and frequent guest of this podcast, Matt Spinks, over at the Firehouse Projects in Fort Wayne. He and I have done loads of stuff together in the past, but I'm I'm feeling particularly excited about this event. We're calling it Joy Transformers, and uh, it's going to be two back-to-back weekends, October 2nd through 4th fourth and October 9th through 11th. So that's two back-to-back weekends. Um, The first one will be in Cleveland, where I live. The second one will be in Fort Wayne, where he lives. And they will be marathon sessions. We'll be doing, like, I think something like 12 sessions between the two weekends. It's going to be awesome. 
yeah, with uh, with having two little kids, I haven't been uh, able to get out to church as much, but I love gathering together with other believers. I love the power and just getting together. Um, as Matt always says, the wine is in the cluster. <laughs> so uh, I hope I hope that you can join us. And I know if I know Matt, I'm sure that uh, even if you can't make it in person, there there will be streaming. Streaming will be a thing. We'll make sure that that happens at least some of the sessions anyway. Um, even if I just have to set up my phone and Facebook Live, we'll, 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 we'll try to find a way to make sure that you can catch some of the action. But if you can make it, it's going to be whacked. That is the only way I know how to describe it. It's going to be hammered, drunk in the Lord. So uh, we don't have all the details on that exactly yet like start times and all of that stuff but um as it comes closer i'll make sure to remind you guys on this show but mark down those dates october 2nd through 4th and october 9th through 11th and uh we'd love to see you do you know the holy spirit is is a colorful personality oh the holy spirit is so colorful So what are we going to get into today? Well, speaking of gatherings, I wanted to post the final session of the School of Happy Evangelism that I did earlier this year. And what I love about listening back to this recording, I hadn't heard it in a while, is uh, it was this meeting took place um, just a few days before the announcement that everything was going to be shut down. And so this was the the last event I got to do. And it was before a lot of the developments uh, came forward about certain things. And it's still really sharp. Uh, I was, you know, in this recording, I was talking about being freaked out, you know, meeting people who are freaked out about politics and who are um, feeling deep unrest and fear of sickness and fear of death and all this stuff. And I, I just think that it was important important that even now, a few months later, I just wanted to release this because I feel like it has something for you. But in this, it is a reflection on um, not only what is the gospel, but how do you communicate the gospel and what are the components of communicating the gospel that are the most important that that really cause uh, people's hearts to come alive, the power of God to go forth. And my goal is right now, Everyone is experiencing some form of anxiety. Everybody's experiencing some form of um, pain or financial hurt or emotional pain or loneliness or whatever. But they are lucky because there you are and you are in their life and you are a carrier of the Holy Spirit. You are an experiencer of peace that goes beyond understanding. You have been given healing power from the Holy Spirit and you have been given the best news on the planet. So the Bible says to be ready in and out of season, to give an answer, uh, to give an account for the hope that you carry. People are going to want to know as you go back to work and as you do your thing in life, even just going to the grocery store and not being afraid, people are going to want to know what is it about you that's different. And if you're anything like me, Uh, sometimes you feel caught off guard by those types of questions and it's easy to stumble through and not really know what to say. But if you've done just a little bit of work ahead of time, uh, practicing your testimony, practicing those things and finding a real good and snappy way to say it, you can find that whether you find yourself in a stadium in front of 60,000 people or just simply talking to the cashier at Kmart, uh, where I think Kmart's done, rest in peace, uh, wherever else. 
else, uh, wherever you get your groceries or <laughs> videos, um, at the store, whatever, that you will find that it comes effortlessly out of your mouth, the communication of the good news. And so this is the final session. It was a class on how to preach the gospel, and I think you'll find it really refreshing and helpful. And uh, lastly, before I send you off into that, um, I did just want to point out that I did actually post two other sessions, and um, those are just labeled under School of Happy Evangelism. You can find them. It's two messages. Highly encourage you to check those out, because right now, in this time, evangelism has never been more needed. People want to know what about this Jesus is so compelling. And uh, thank God that you are there to be a witness to King Jesus. So I hope you enjoy this message. Here it is, Session 3, School of Happy Evangelism. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized will be saved, and he who has disbelieved will be condemned, and these signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents, and if they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them, and if they lay their hands on the sick, they will recover. <laughs> That's a promise I'm taking to the bank with my life. I don't know about the snakes thing. <laughs> I, uh, I, I work at a, I work at a, like a game store. And uh, some of my coworkers are atheists. They're like, oh, what are you up to this weekend? I was like, I'm going to a snake handling meeting tonight. So. <laughs> they thought it was funny, because it was funny. <laughs> but seriously, it's like, ever since that verse came alive to me, that's like, that's been what my life has been about. And so I want to help you guys see some things. But right there, um, listen, if Jesus tells you to do something, then you can do it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Peter didn't know how to walk on water until Jesus said, hey, come to me on the water. And all of a sudden, whoop, grace, and he's able to walk on the water. Because when God speaks, he releases grace, right? When God speaks, reality happens, right? There was no light, but when God said light, there's light. So when God looks at you and he says, go and preach, he's not telling you to go figure out how to do that. He's releasing grace. Go and preach. He's releasing the power. And so hearing that verse, go and preach the gospel to all creation, what you have to know is if you are a believer, raise your hand if you're a believer in this place, <laughs> then you're a preacher. Amen. God. Now, you don't have to have a microphone, and you may not be doing meetings like this, and you may not be ever speaking on a stage, but you are a preacher of Amen. the gospel. Amen. Amen. All right? Even further, in, in, in the New Testament, there's all these, um, these verses about always be ready to give an answer for the hope that's inside of you, mm -hmm. or uh, make, make the most of every opportunity, season your words with grace as with salt, so that you would know how to respond to each one. There's like these commands that say, hey, be ready, be ready, be ready, because, well, there's a couple implications there, but one is you know what the gospel is, and you're ready to speak it, but the other is that God is doing something in your life that is so extraordinary and attractive that when people are around you, they say, hey, what is that? Mm -hmm. 
Amen. What is that? How do I, how do I get that? <laughs> how many of you guys have been there? You ever had a coworker say, why are you so joyful? Why are you so full of peace? How is your, you just told me that your car blew up today and yet you're, you're just radiating joy. How is that? You ever had that happen? How many of you guys have been in that situation and, and, and you kind of know what to say, but you're also kind of like, I don't know. I don't know. I've choked. I've done it many times. I've just kind of choked and not had the courage or the know-how. And that's what I want to address tonight. Um, the go- um, I want to say this too. The gospel, the gospel is really underrated in the church. <laughs> We're so used to going to church on Sunday mornings and getting TED Talks for how to improve your life. <laughs> We're so used to hearing things about how you can live a, be a better Christian, how you can live a better this, how you can you know have a better marriage. And there's nothing wrong with that stuff at all. But what they died for, what they bled for, what they went to the grave for, what they faced lions in the Colosseum for the early church was the preaching of the gospel, the message that Jesus Christ has conquered sin and death and he's and he's done it for you, like that's the message that brings the power, right? That is the message. And so I want you to get reacquainted with the power of the gospel. And I want you to learn to be ready. Um, so tonight what we're going to do is we're, I'm actually going to walk you through something. We're actually going to craft, because we're preachers, right? Say, I'm a preacher. I'm a preacher. I'm actually going to teach you how to craft your own mini- gospel sermon so that you can always be ready and it won't be somebody else's i'm not going to teach you a canned like okay now when somebody says this say this thing no i'm going to teach you how to speak from your own place of revelation how the gospel has come into your life right um but i want you to learn to be ready i know there's kind of this myth out there if you just wing it you'll know what to say and i could just say after doing this for like seven years i'm never ever at my best when i'm winging it Okay. How many of you guys like art, music? Okay. All that stuff is amazing. And have you guys ever had an experience where you felt the spirit of God on that? Um, okay. Those types of people who are creating that stuff, they didn't just walk, wake up one day painting masterpieces. They didn't just wake up one day. Typically, sometimes it happens, and that's awesome. But most of the time, people had to learn the piano before they could really bring you into a place of his presence on piano, right? Um, words are the same. Now, there's a verse that talks about, you know, you'll know what to say at the time, but that's talking about when you're in court and you're about to be killed, like God's going to come to your aid. But you're an artist. You're creative as he is creative. And there's a really amazing inherent power in words that I want you to learn to craft. Because what if you knew, what if you've been thinking about it and you're like, these four sentences are like the sharpest, most pointed, most powerful, eloquent way to say that from your heart. That's a little different than, and I've had this happen to me before. What, you know, what's the message of Jesus? Well, I, don't, I don't know. Atonement and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I, I don't know. I just kind of, it just comes out and I hope for the best. I'm never at my best in that. And so that's why I know sometimes as charismatics, we, we like to be so like off the cuff, but there's nothing wrong with planning. There's nothing wrong with being ready. In fact, the scripture commands to be ready. So that's what I want to equip you guys to do tonight. Um, now, I want to teach you, instead of doing a canned message, um, I want to teach you how to preach from your own place of revelation because somebody who's had an encounter with Jesus is always going to have more authority than somebody who's reciting theology, mm-hmm. right? Amen. There's power in that stuff, 
I mean, heck, I know so I don't necessarily approve of this method, but I know the stories of people who are just handed, you know, a booklet and like Holy Spirit hit them, and that's great. But <laughs> but I want you to speak from your own place of knowing Jesus, right? Um, the other kind of another problem I have is um, a lot of times people will think like if I just put on a billboard, Jesus is the answer. People are gonna drive by and read that and just and get saved. You know what I mean? Like oh oh okay. No, here's the thing: every heart is different, every person is different, and just slapping the name of Jesus on a billboard is not. That's not going to get you out of what he told you to do. (laughs) He told you to go. He told you because he wants flesh and blood. He doesn't just want theology to show up in people's lives. He wants real flesh and blood incarnation in people's lives. And you are that person. (laughs) And and so one of the, one of the problems with that is it's not, it's not very, um, it's not very helpful to just shout the answer without understanding the question people are asking. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Um, for example, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, like if you if you listen to stuff from that era, everything is about heaven and hell. Mm. It's all about where are you going to go when you die? Because that was a really tumultuous time in history, right? There was a lot going on um, post-war, and then you have the Vietnam War, and then you have all this stuff. You have the assassination of JFK. Like death was just kind of on people's minds. In a, in a sort of zeitgeist collective way, right? And so the question was, well, what is after this? Because people could die any time. Do you know I mean, that was kind of the collective. So, so the evangelists were going forth and saying like, hey, where are you going to go when you die? Do you know? And that was a super effective question. But let me tell you something. Right now, there has never been a time in history where suicide was more prevalent. It's through the roof. If you go on any, like, internet page where people are sharing memes and stuff, they're all joking around about how depressed and sad they are and how much they want to die. Like, millennials don't care where they go when they die because that's not the question on their heart. The question on this generation's heart is, where's God now? Do you know what I'm saying? And so slapping Jesus on a billboard with a picture of hell on one side and heaven on the other, where are you going? That that doesn't even compute because that's not the question they're asking. They're like, where was God when my finances went to hell? Where was God when my mother's health went to hell? You know what I'm saying? Like, they're in hell. They feel hell. They want to know what Jesus is doing now. Does that make sense? So so learning that, adjusting that, being that answer... um, In my opinion, that's the only way to truly, really reach people in a way that Jesus would do. And and two, when you're you're preaching the gospel to somebody, like in a street context, like what we do at Giant Eagle, I'm not talking about from a stage in Uganda, I'm talking about at Giant Eagle, (laughs) and you've only got two minutes. Um, The gospel is like this massive diamond. The saving work of Jesus is more unfathomable than we could ever possibly imagine. It affects every possible area of life and existence, and we could talk about that for years on end. It's like a diamond. There's many faces. There's many ways that it matters to us, but all you're trying to do is take one and show it to somebody and say, here. Because once they respond to that, then they're invited into this world where they can go, oh, there's so much more to explore. So, I want to take a little pressure off there. I'm not asking you to give, like, this airtight, like, perfect presentation where you hit all the bases. Um, but but this is how I want it to look, okay? So, I'm actually, um, I have some worksheets that I'm going to pass out in a minute, so don't let me forget uh, that I actually created. But um, I want to walk you guys through the anatomy of a sermon. 
Like, what actually constitutes a good gospel message? And this is coming from a place of, I've tried and I've failed, and I've tried and I've failed, and I've just observed, like, what actually works? What, what does the Holy Spirit respond to? And this is kind of what I've come up with. Okay. So you guys ready? You guys ready to learn how to preach the gospel? Okay, cool. Great. Testimony. There's this amazing story in the book of Luke where there's a man who's so possessed by demons that he lives in a graveyard and he howls all night long and he grabs rocks and he slits his wrists and he cries out and he terrorizes people who try to come by and they try to bind him with chains and he's so demonized that he's like ripping chains apart and he's just freaking people out okay and that guy falls at the feet of jesus jesus says what's your name he says he doesn't even respond with his name he says legion legion means uh it's like a you know basically it means essentially i'm I'm filled with a thousand demons that's my name there's a thousand demons in this guy (laughs) and in one moment jesus sets him completely free and people see, like, oh my God, he's sitting in his right mind. He's, he's clothed, and he's sane, and he's talking to us about Jesus. Imagine the gratitude that that guy had. <laughs> he says, Jesus, can I, can I go with you? And Jesus says, no, here's what I want you to do. Go back to your town and tell him the amazing things God has done for you. You're talking to a guy who loves theology. I love theology. I have a fat collection of super nerdy books at my house. I love it, but there's nothing that can replace the power of, do you know what Jesus has done for me? Mm-hmm. Apparently, that was enough. You know what I mean? He didn't make sure that he had the message down. He just said, hey, tell them what I've done for them, and that's going to be enough for your city. Mm-hmm. There's this other verse. This is my one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and I always say it's my favorite, but then I'm like, well, actually, this verse is my favorite. I have a million favorites. This is one of my favorites. Acts 4:20. This will get you high. Acts 4:20. <laughs> Acts 4:20. Okay, it's the apostles. They've just been preaching, seeing signs, wonders, miracles pop. Everyone's getting healed, saved, delivered. So the Pharisees are not having it. They bring them in. They they strip them naked. They beat them bloody. And then they say, don't talk about Jesus again. And I could just imagine them saying this. Acts 4.20. They got blood coming out of their eyes. They're all like gnarled up from whips. And they're like, we, we, uh, we have to obey God rather than men. As for us... We cannot keep quiet about what we've seen and what we've heard. <laughs> That's what's going to sustain you. What have you seen? What have you heard? What have you encountered of Jesus? Most of you in this room are not in the category of just embracing your parents' faith because they're Christians, so why not be a Christian too? But most of you in this room, you've had like an encounter with the real Jesus. You need to think about that thing. You need to get good at telling people about that thing. Listen, if he saved you, you have a sermon to preach. You have something to share. And you can think on that and remember that, and it'll supercharge you every time. But as you do, you'll start to see God move in other people's lives, and all of a sudden, people will come to you and, and they'll be at work and they'll be complaining about how their body is racked with pain. You could say, do you know what Jesus did for my mother? Do you know what Jesus did for me? Oh, I've seen this before. I've seen Jesus actually heal cancer. Listen, there is power in that. And so what every good gospel sermon starts with is, do you know what Jesus has done for me? Okay. Praise God. 
Yeah, I mean, you can get excited. That's cool if you want. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay, this one might make some of you bristle, but it'll get better. Raise your hand if you've ever encountered a problem. <laughs> Great. Fantastic. All of us have. Um, most, okay, if somebody doesn't believe in God, imagine going through your entire life not believing there's any meaning and everything's just random. How heavy is that? And so one of the things you can help people do is start to say, hey, hey, this world that seems so messed up, like, yeah, it is crazy that, uh, you know, the amount of money that Americans spend on ice cream could actually be used to end world hunger. It's a real stat. Um, it is crazy that every single piece of your articles of clothing right now were probably made by slaves. Yeah, that is messed up. It is messed up that children get cancer and die. It is messed up. It really sucks. But there's actually a reason for that. It's not just random. You're not just stuck in this floating ball in the universe without any meaning or without any purpose. There's actually a reason. It's evil. It's sin, okay? And so helping people, we, we don't like to talk about that, but think about how helpful that can actually be for somebody to go, oh, 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 there's actually like a real problem, which is called sin, which is like a sickness, and Jesus came to save us from that. It helps people say, hey, you need a savior, okay? There's a reason why you feel stuck and every time you try to do something different, you can't because you need a savior. If people don't realize they need a savior, they can't call on Jesus. Do you know what I'm saying? So it is extremely helpful and important to frame the problem, okay? Um, and here's the thing. <laughs> what I, one thing I love about being a Christian, Christianity, it doesn't have to hide from the problem. It doesn't have to hide from the why. And every person who's, who's going out there is wondering, man, if there's a God, then why? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? And we don't have to walk out there with no answers for that. It's like, hey, because there's this darkness that covers people's minds. It causes them to turn inward and be selfish. And it unleashed all kinds of terrible things on the planet, right? It's okay to say that and acknowledge that. Now, what I won't do with, with this part is what a lot of people do and introduce fear. Uh, now, accept this or else. Do you know what I mean? That's that's not that's not falling in love. That's being scared out of your wits. <laughs> that's insurance. That's redu again, I talked about this on the very first week. That's reducing Jesus to your Charlie chocolate factory ticket out of here. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give the devil that much credit. But I'm also not gonna make God the antagonist. God's angry. He's gonna get you unless you turn. No, there's, a, there's plenty of problems already evident for people that you don't need to make God out to be someone's enemy. Remember the very first week I talked about this. The issue with sin is not that it causes God to hate us. The issue with sin is God created this amazing, beautiful planet that he said is very good and it was filled with shalom. It was filled with peace. And our sin is a violation of that. It actually ruins that. It actually causes disruption. And so again, you're not trying to convince people that they're evil or that they're that, that God hates them. You're trying to convince them. You're just trying to help them see, yeah, yeah, we've all done that, haven't we? We've all kind of participated in messing things up. We've all taken some for ourselves, haven't we? One more note on this, too. Sometimes just hearing somebody else say, yeah, that sucks, that can really help. Do you know what I mean? Without somebody trying to fix you or what you're going on, when you're going through it, sometimes somebody coming alongside you and say, yeah, that situation, then that really does suck. It's almost like you, they go, oh, fuck, okay, somebody gets it, yeah, yeah. 
people are you're not gonna give people sympathy right but you are gonna give them your compassion and say wow that must have been super difficult okay but then you can get to the good news right um, does anybody know what the word gospel means <laughs> good news amen you get a candy for that <laughs> I don't have candy actually so you get a a thumbs up. Yes, it means good news, but it actually means something even cooler and more amazing to that. If you were to travel back in time, even just a little bit before Jesus, you would encounter this place called Rome, this kingdom called Rome, and you would encounter this king named Caesar, right? And they had this thing. They worshipped Caesar as God. And actually Rome, uh, how they propagated things, they had their own, it was called the gospel. It was called the gospel of Rome. And they, this is what they did. They actually, you can find this in history, they worshipped Caesar as Lord, God, and King, and God's only begotten Son who's bringing a kingdom of peace on the earth. Does that sound familiar to you? And so here's what they would do. When Rome would conquer a city... Um, they would send people out to, to tell the good news, the gospel of Rome, which is this, Caesar is Lord. Okay, so basically, it's not good news for those people, really, but it's, you know, it's what they would do is, like, somebody would get captured, there's no Twitter, they don't know, and so somebody would come out and say, hey, guess what, there's a new king in town, and uh, welcome to Rome, you're a slave now. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's what it was. So, so the early Christians, they took that language, they took that sort of... Uh, the victory language and they flipped it on its head and they said actually there's a new new sheriff in town his name is Jesus and Jesus is Lord and and he's bringing the kingdom of peace he's Lord he's God he's king he's he's everything against what this the Caesar figure Rome would keep the peace with the sword but Jesus is bringing peace by dying do you know what I mean he it's a backwards kingdom where he's loving people into his kingdom he's healing people into his kingdom he's bringing restoration to the entire cosmos but here's what's really important about understanding the good news is that it is news it's not primarily an invitation. It's primarily an announcement that something has taken place already. You didn't have a choice in it. Jesus did it. <laughs> Jesus conquered sin and death. Jesus conquered hell and the grave. Jesus grabbed you with or without your permission. He has done it. He's victorious and every knee will bow because he is Lord. <laughs> we put so much emphasis in that. Okay, I'm going to teach you how to invite people to get saved. Okay, so don't hear what I'm not saying. But I'm saying this. You actually can't make Jesus Lord of your life. He's already Lord of your life. Amen. <laughs> you can cooperate or try to run away, but he is Amen. Lord. So when you're talking about the bad news, oh, man, that does suck. Wow, yeah, because sin is real. That, that thing has messed up a lot of things. But guess what? I have some news you might not have heard. There's a new kingdom in town. There's a new king. He's a king of love. He's a king of victory. He's a king of healing. And he's here. And like it or not, he has come for you, bud. <laughs> it's an announcement. So what every good gospel preaching needs is an announcement. Actually, it says this. Jesus went from town to town preaching the gospel of God. Right? What's the gospel of God? said this, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, repent and believe. <laughs> Again, that world, that realm where God is in charge is here now. Amen. Did you know that? It has real implications for you, for me, for everybody. 
All right, now, um, a few more, and then we're going to get to some fun exercises. I'm going to give you some examples of how this all fits together, by the way, in case you're like, I don't know what he's talking about. We'll get there. Okay, every good gospel preaching must declare the cross, the blood of Jesus. <laughs> Listen, um, Paul said, I came to you. Think about this. Next time you hear somebody preach the gospel, it's very important. He said, I came to you knowing nothing but Christ and Him crucified. If anybody had profound and amazing things to share, it was Paul. But he said, no, the most important thing, the heart of it all, is that you understand Christ and Him crucified. Because that is your salvation. Um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of messages going out right now that, well... It's basically Christian humanism. Yeah. Like if you just knew who you were. And that's, kind of, that's true in a sense. But if you had the power to just understand who you are and start living in righteousness, then Jesus didn't need to come. And if Jesus was just your example, he just came to show you how to be you, well then he didn't need to die a bloody death, did he? No, but the problem is, is that we needed a real Savior from a real sin and their real chains, and He broke them by His blood. It was only blood, because He died our death. <laughs> he went into the grave for us, as us, and pulled us out with Him. We needed a Savior, and so you must proclaim the cross. If you're not talking about the cross, you're not talking about the gospel. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You can preach self-help all you want. But when you start preaching the cross, you're going to start seeing miracles. Amen. <laughs> Jesus isn't your TED Talk self-help guru. He's your savior. <laughs> you can feel that, don't you? Yeah. You guys feel the electricity in that. It's almost like illegal to say that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Jesus, he was a great guy. He had some awesome principles. But when you start saying, yeah, Jesus is God, and he's Savior, and he's Lord, and he's King, people get uncomfortable, and I love it. <laughs> All right, every good gospel preaching needs an invitation, because at the end of the day, yes, Jesus did it all. Jesus conquered. Jesus is King, but he's also an extremely relational being. Amen. And he cares about the heart. And his eternal life that he promised is not an afterlife program. It is, he said this, this is eternal life, that they, us, that we would know him, that we would know him, right? Yeah. And so he, he doesn't just, well, sometimes he does, because he can do whatever he wants. Yeah. But generally speaking, he doesn't just take over somebody and tackle them and force their heart to love him, right? <laughs> Paul is an exception. <laughs> just spreading on his way to kill people and all of a sudden, boom, there's Jesus. And he's like, hey, you belong to me now. Preach the gospel. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And that does happen. But but there's this amazing verse in Revelation where he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Even after conquering sin and death and hell and the grave, Jesus is still getting vulnerable and saying, will you open your heart to me? Amen. Because you can reject him. But if you can reject him, that means you can also accept him. Am I right? Mm -hmm. It's not a price tag. But if you want to experience that, if you want to know him in relationship, 
He says, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone opens to me, I will come in and dine with him. He wants to hang out with you. He wants to be friends with you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to be your shepherd. He wants to be with you daily in his presence, speak to you, love you, uh, for you to hear his voice. But for that, you can't, you can't, you can't just hear the good news and then walk away and go straight back to what you were doing. Do you know what I mean? And so what you do is you say, hey, would you, after you've done all this good news preaching, you say, hey, would you like to know him the way that I know him? It's super easy. We're just going to pray, and you're going to open your heart, and you're going to experience something. <laughs> um, what I, In my opinion, you can forget canned prayers. You don't have to recite a card with a sinner's prayer. I mean, that's fine, whatever. Uh, but for you to actually frame it in in the light that they can understand. Remember, like, the diamond thing I was talking about? Like, and I'll, I'll get into more specifics on this later, but it's like, who do they need in that moment? Do they need a father? Then invite them to know the father. Do you know what I'm saying? Do they need a friend? Hey, Jesus wants to be your friend. Would you like to open your heart to this new friend? Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's way better. Um, I'm going to talk about, there's two sides to repentance. I'll talk to the first one right now. The first one is, uh, there's the Greek word for Repentance is metanoia, right? It means uh, a change in thought, a, a radical shift in mindset that leads to a change in behavior. So this is a good example. Paul is a good example. He met the resurrected Jesus, and all of a sudden, everything that he ever thought he knew about reality and life itself was completely just fell apart, right? There's one reality now, and that's Jesus. And, and, and there was something about Jesus, There was such a spirit of God on him, right? The Holy Spirit was flowing through him so much that he would walk up to a working man who's probably got a family and bills to pay and mouths to feed, and he says two words, follow me, and they just throw their careers aside like it never mattered and run to him. Do you know what I'm saying? There's something so compelling about Jesus, and I want to, I'm, I'm even praying right now that that spirit, that same spirit, begins to rest on you in such a compelling way that when you say, hey, would you like to know him? Everything inside of them says, yes, I want to know him. And I'm willing to get rid of whatever it takes to know that. <laughs> but on the other side, and this is the last one, and I think this is really important and underrated, and I wish I saw more of this. Can you guys read my writing? I don't know. It's renunciation. Um... That's the Greek context, but if you look at the Jewish Hebrew word for repent, it's this word teshuva. Can you say teshuva? Teshuva. Yeah. What that means is you are walking along the wrong path, and you realize you're on the wrong path, and then you turned, and you began to walk towards God on his path. That's what that means. That, that includes a change of behavior. See... It's not about getting people to do the right things to please God's morality program. But how many of you guys know, like, there are real consequences uh, for destructive behavior patterns, right? And so you're saying, hey, 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 now that you have this new life flowing, let's not be like dogs who return to our vomit. Let's not go back to that life. Can I help you begin to walk in a new way? Let's, let's not go back to that. 
what I'm saying? Like, like that's happened to lots of people where they pray the prayer, they did the thing, they filled out the card, they cried at church, and then they go straight back to the crack pipe because nobody helped them walk out of that. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. And so there's an invitation to, uh, to, to, to put off the old and to put on the new. Um, to, basically, it's, it's an invitation to say, now that this is who you are, now that you've experienced this, it's time to finally and completely cut ties with everything that you thought you were before this moment. It's time to let go of that life. And I think there's real value in that. That's where water baptism is so amazing and important. Because you actually, it's not just a symbol. It's, it's a real, powerful, prophetic act where when you go into that water, you are receiving the grace to, to die that old life completely and be raised into your new life. Well, you can't always baptize people at Giant Eagle. <laughs> Hold on, we're going to need to steal a lot of water bottles. <laughs> Where are you going with all that bottle of water? Um, to the bathroom, actually. <laughs> We've got to do something back there. Hold on. Uh, but you can walk people through a prayer where you say, hey, let's just get rid of that thing. And I'll tell you what, that... There's a lot of people kind of preaching against that right now. But I'm telling you, man, I've, I've been on the streets of, like, East Cleveland. Like, there, there was one time, somewhat recently, I was with Mark, and there's this lady who was so distraught, so, like, full of sadness and despair that she was wandering the streets of Cleveland barefoot and had cut her foot on glass, and she didn't even care. She was just, like, in this daze of, like, drunken confusion. Like, people who are in that level of agreement with the old fallen done away with creation, they need to cut ties with that. They need to be invited and, and put into the new. Does that make sense? Like, and, and when you're standing on the edge of life or death with somebody, like you're looking in their eyes and you go, man, like they are truly on the edge of life or death here. Um, it is really important to say yes to life and no to death. Do you know what I'm saying? Amen. Sometimes people need to hear that. Like it, it might sound harsh, but it's like, hey, you do not want to go back to that. You do not want to go back to where you came from. And you can choose that. By the grace of God inside of you, you can choose to say, no, I'm not doing that anymore. Right? So, um, some examples. Like the witches in Acts, right? Uh, they were living these lives full of witchcraft, and, and they had a ceremony where they are burning all their books, and it said something like $20,000 worth of spell books were burnt in the streets. Um, you got to realize people are being set free from real beings, real supernatural powers and entities, and, and, and there are idols connected with that, and so burning your idols is a really amazing and therapeutic thing to do. <laughs> I, remember, um, I remember leading a lady to the Lord in China, and she had this huge, bigger than this thing, it was almost like a jukebox, but it was this altar that she would burn incense to her Buddhist gods to every single day. And after she encountered the Lord and like renounced Buddhism, like my first, we were in like a high rise, my first thought was like, how do we... How do we throw this thing out the window? <laughs> like, well, if somebody dies, we just chuck this thing out the window right now. <laughs> because, man, you, you want to clear that stuff out. <laughs> you got to get that Josiah anointing on you where you're just burning stuff down. You know what I mean? Like, oh, get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, and this is at the point where you might see, like, deliverance and healing. and You know what I'm saying? Like, this is a great time to begin because Jesus said those signs will follow. So you start preaching the gospel. People are getting saved. And then this is a great time to see demons cast out of people flying out of people, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, there's a lot of debate on whether or not the 
baptism in the spirit is like it happens when you get saved or it happens before you got saved or it happens after you get saved I, I don't know follow the Holy Spirit <laughs> but if he says he wants to do something like that just go with it <laughs> I've had times where I literally like I'm not sure if I even agree with the theology that the Holy Spirit wants to fill people after they've been like saved and I've heard the Holy Spirit say hey I want to fill them I'm like I'm not going to argue with that like, it's not even it doesn't really compute with my frame right now but I'm still going to do it and it's like you know people people fall out in the grocery store it's awesome so just roll with it man like he I don't exactly know what I'm doing if you couldn't tell but he does <laughs> um, yeah so so I guess here's what I want to say before we begin our exercise here when do you do this in my opinion um if you get ready and you understand and you have your sermon, you have your message ready, you could find yourselves in situations where, where you end up with a microphone in a public place and you feel ready. And that's amazing. But for the most part, I don't go around shoving this on people. Do you know what I mean? I don't, I don't go around just like walking into my place of work and saying, hey, guess what? I mean, um, you want to wait till people are ready. Remember the example of the rope? And you'll know. Don't feel... Please, please. The temptation is to turn this into an agenda. Where you won't feel like you did any good unless you said that and they did a thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Unless you can show people with numbers, hey, I did something tonight. That is not what this is. But what this is, is you will see it in people's eyes. You'll feel a readiness where they're like, how do I know Jesus? Or like tell me more about this and then you're you're ready. Do you know what I'm saying? So don't feel like you have to push this on people, but wait for that openness and and strike when it's ready. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay. Now, uh, <laughs> I'm going to pass out some worksheets here. I only printed 15. Maybe I just didn't have enough faith. I don't know. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. Now, let me give you some actual examples. I'm going to have you uh, write and craft your own sermon. Okay. Um, but first, I'm going to show you what it looks like when you plug this thing in. It's like, I hate to say formula, maybe an equation, I don't know. It's a thing where if you start putting the pieces together, this is what your gospel message is going to start to sound like, okay? So, um, when I take these parts and I begin to put them together and I filter them through my experience and my testimony and what I've seen and what I know of Jesus, this is what it could start to look like. And I actually have a few different ones because I've gotten to the place where like one facet of the diamond isn't enough. Like I actually have a few of these kind of ready to go. And what happens is when I talk to somebody and I'm starting to discern where they're coming from, I'm ready to present Jesus in like five or six different ways at all times. Do you I mean, that's that's like pro pro level, I guess. But like, I, I don't need you to do that necessarily. But I, I, even if you have just one, this is like, hey, this is who Jesus is to me. You are so ready. It's going to be awesome. So um, let's say I encounter somebody who's freaked out about politics. You know what I mean? You can you can see it. They've been on a YouTube rabbit trail all day long watching conspiracy videos. They are riled up. They are like freaked out. They're buying all the toilet paper. You know what I mean? Like they, <laughs> a lot of people right now. Um, uh, and the, it, it's this guy's fault, or it's this guy's fault, or if we did, like, oh, uh, the end of the world, oh, uh, you meet these people all the time. So who do you think they need to hear? Who, who do you think they need? King Jesus. King Jesus. Right. So this is kind of like how I would present the gospel where Jesus is king. I would say something like, hey, God made this world good. He made this whole world good to be his kingdom. And he wanted us, you and I, to rule with him. 
okay? Um, but uh, we, with our authority, we gave ourselves over to evil. We gave ourselves over to death, and it became our, our masters. It became our slave masters, right? And so that's why you're seeing all this stuff going on that you're seeing is because there's people running around who don't know that they've been overmastered by something evil. But, okay, that's the problem. Good news. Um, God is such a good king, right? He's the actual king. There's a real king. It's God, and he's such a good king that he actually rescued us by breaking the curse and the bonds of sin and death over us. <laughs> and with his own life on the cross, he's taken the kingdom back from evil. Wow. Um, you could say, this kingdom is already here. And it's growing every single day, and I've, I've seen it. I've seen it change people's lives. It changed my life. I've seen people who are in the most bottom gutter um, restored and brought back to life. I've seen the most evil, corrupt people begin to flow with love in their heart because this King Jesus is changing things, and it's changing lives. And say, and guess what? You, you can actually join the winning side. Mm. How does that sound? You know what I'm saying? That's pretty exciting. People hear that and they go, really? Tell me more. <laughs> so that's kind of a quick way of how I would preach the gospel in a kingdom context, right? Um, how about this one? This is one of my favorites. There's never been a generation with less fathers. Ever. And so right now, a lot of people need to hear from Father God. And so what I would say is, did you know that God is your true Father? And he's wonderful. He's better than you could ever imagine. But here's the thing. Sin and evil, they tricked us. And they became like a false, abusive father to us. And we agreed. We went along with it. We were duped. And they abused us. They hurt us. They lied to us. They told us we're shameful and we're wretched. Okay? But that's the bad news, right? But <clears throat> but there's some really good news. The Bible says that uh, God came after us and paid with his own blood so that he could adopt you back into his family so that he could be the father that you never knew you wanted and <clears throat> yeah and you could say would uh would you like to meet him would you like to be adopted basically would you like to know this father would you like to rejoin your place in his big worldwide family because it's for you and he wants you and there's no length he won't go through to get you back that's the gospel according to the father um Maybe you, you meet somebody and they're just like clearly struggling with self-worth. Well, there's an answer for that in the gospel. Uh, you could say, have you, ever, have you ever struggled with hating yourself? I have. But we've all, particip we've all participated with evil. And because of that, it lies to us and it fills us with shame. Like the, the things we do wrong, it causes us to feel shame. But guess what? God made you. And he doesn't make junk. <laughs> and he has a dream for your life. And he's willing to pay to make sure that that dream happens. And so <clears throat> when you are stuck in sin and death and they were demanding ransom, he stepped in and he paid with his own blood to bring you back, to rescue you and to restore you. So if you think about it like this, God and all his goodness and all his splendor and all his worth he would rather pay with his own life than not have you in his family. <laughs> you are worth the blood of God. Yeah. Did you know that? See it. So now you can just throw away this old thinking. 
there's something that I know about you that you don't know about you, and that's you're worth the blood of Jesus. You see what I'm saying? You start to you start to learn how to address people where they are. You could just slap Jesus' Lord on a billboard and hope that people just get it, or you could understand where is this person coming from? Who do they need to hear from? And how can I present that? Um, you guys want to hear one more? Or are you guys getting yeah, the picture? Good. Okay, cool. Um, oh, I like this one. Uh, <laughs> do, you, do you ever hear people talk about having bad luck? <laughs> or just bad, like they're bad karma. They're like, oh yeah, I've done a lot of stuff. I think it's just bad karma. I love this. Jesus came to destroy karma. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, yeah, okay. Have you ever felt stuck? Like you keep messing up and you just can't stop. <laughs> I've been there too. And you know, it's almost like we know we, in some way, we kind of deserve the bad stuff that happens and it piles on. And it's almost like karma is in control it's, and it's out of control. Like we want to stop, but we can't stop it. We just keep racking up all these negative consequences. But did you know that Jesus actually stepped in your place and God took all of your negative karma? He took all of that stuff and he absorbed it into his own body and crucified it on the cross. He obliterated it so that you could actually receive from his life. So that instead of getting what you deserve for all your things, like he actually set that aside and gave you what he deserved. And now you can be free from that spiral. No more bad luck. No more spiraling out of control. No more being stuck in shame and, and, and misfortune. But rather instead, you can be his son and receive everything that he was meant to have as your own. Awesome. And what does God deserve? That's <laughs> where he puts you. <laughs> yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. If you start to if you start to get this in you, and you start to have a, a way of communicating the gospel in your own way, you could be on a tree stump. You you won't feel out of place. You'll be ready because the Bible says be ready. Do you know what I'm saying? So I'm trying to teach you how to be ready. I'll, I'll give you one more, and then we'll we'll wrap it up here. But um, you, you ever hang out with like hippies, new age types? You know, yeah. I love I love those kind of people. <laughs> They're my people. <laughs> Amazing, <laughs> beautiful, precious children, but <laughs> they'll just be like, yo, dude, I'm just sniffing crystals so I can, you know, attain a higher consciousness or whatever. Like, I'm, I'm like, I, I, okay, I know a person, their thing is just like sucking on rocks and trees <laughs> to absorb energy and like elevate their energy, okay? <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> They're searching for something, right? <laughs> So, hey, did, did you say this? Hey, did you know that you were made to be exactly like God? But we, by our decisions, by our actions, we actually gave ourselves over to a lower consciousness. And we're, and we're stuck there. But because God became human and in Jesus, and he took all of our darkness and all of our lower consciousness on himself and destroyed it on the cross, he could then fill us with his own light. <laughs> he made us one with God, not as a reward for all of our crystal sniffing and all of our meditation and all of our fasting and all of that stuff, but as a free gift, he actually made you one with God himself. Yeah. So that's easy, instant, enlightenment as a gift. How does that sound? Yes. <laughs> 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 yes. 
So like, hey, hey, brother, would you like to would you like to receive enlightenment right now? <laughs> That's a heck of an invitation, am I right? Yeah. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the next few minutes. I want you. I'm gonna put on some music. I want you. Well, I don't know what time it is. What time is it? We're just gonna be a late night. You guys okay with that? Yeah. Okay. It's the great. Last one. Fantastic. This is the last night. You know. Uh, I'm gonna put on some music, and what I want you to do is I want you to fill out this sheet from your own life. What is your testimony? What has Jesus done for you? Were you stuck in the gutter? <laughs> were you uh, were you a corrupt businessman <laughs> doing all kinds of horrible, exploitive things, and then you met Jesus? Like, where did He take you out of? What is your story? What did Jesus do for you? Start there. Then. <laughs> What do you think the real problem is that you see? What's the problem that he's rescued us from? Begin to define that. What did sin do? Um, then begin to fill it in with an announcement. Who do you see Jesus as? Do you primarily, and it's okay, most of us have one-ish, but do you primarily see God as Father God? Do you primarily see God as King Jesus? Do you primarily see him as Holy Spirit of wisdom and enlightenment? Do you know what I'm saying? Like there's something that you know about Jesus better than anybody in this room. And I want you to take that and make it an announcement. This is who he is. Then I want you to talk about the cross. And it's okay if you, you don't feel eloquent at this, but it's time to begin to think about it. What did Jesus do for me on the cross? And how does it relate to what I said? Did he take your negative karma away? Did he uh, crucify your old sin nature? You know, what do you know that Jesus did for you on the cross that you can express to somebody? Then I want you to give a custom invitation. Practice. Practice what happens when somebody says yes. I, I think, honestly, every single one of you could put in there... Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Did you know he's standing at your door and he's knocking right now? Would you like to let King Jesus in? Would you like to let Father God in? Would you like to let super duper master of the universe, wisdom, would you like to let him in? And then lastly is, what is he saving you out of? And this is kind of like you have to be there. But hey, is there, you could write this, is there anything in your life that you want to let go of? that has nothing to do with you anymore? Is there anything that you today need to sort out and let go of? I'd love to walk you through that and pray with you. Okay, so I'll put on some music. Start to... Thank you so much for listening to the House of Bliss podcast. If you'd like to support this ministry, it is super easy to do so. All you've got to do is go down and hit the link in the description visit our Patreon page and sign up. Any amount of monthly giving is going to unlock all kinds of extras and behind the scenes rewards. Another quick and easy way you can support us is you can just give us a five star rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Each and every one of those goes a long way. I'm praying that God seals everything you heard today in your heart and that you stay rooted and grounded in his everlasting love. Thanks again. God bless.